Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I am Mary Fran Montempo with my partner in crime, Kristen Smedley. And I'm super excited today because we have an author. I am the the one who writes a lot of our stuff. So I am always happy to talk to an author. Uh, Matthew Turner is with us. He's just written Beyond the Pale, amongst other things that he's written. But the thing that I love about Matthew is he writes for entrepreneurs, but he writes at least this book in particular, in the style of a fable, like a fiction type of a thing, which most entrepreneurs were so focused on facts and figures and statistics and the things we have to do. Sometimes it takes really thinking out of the box to get the message that we need driven home to us. So Matthew, thanks so much for joining us. And you're joining us from England, which is even lovelier. I am across the Ponds. I bring you well wishing and thank you so much for having me. This is a real pleasure. I'm excited to dive into some conversations. Yeah, we are delighted to have you. So the one of a couple of your themes, and this is something that I think is is really prominent, is uh, first of all, your the book that you're talking, we're talking about today is Beyond the Pale. Yes. But you have another book that the title just jumped right out at me, The Successful Mistake. <laughs> yes. And I love that concept. We are, we're all about mistakes here because we've made yeah. a whole lot of them. We're champions. <laughs> we're champions of mistakes. Yes, we are champions. I like to think I'm, uh, I would be up there for the gold medal. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? When you put the word successful in there, it just, it elevates the idea that mistakes are not only common, but things that we can learn from. So let's just jump into the idea of First of all, how you started writing for entrepreneurs um, and what some of these themes are that go through your work. Well, funnily enough, one of the reasons, one of the ways I started writing for entrepreneurs, because as well as writing my own books, I'm also a ghostwriter. So sometimes that falls in the realm of writing a book for them, other times articles, lots of gray in between. But it was a successful mistake that began all that. I interviewed 163 people, I think was the final count for the success mistake. And the overarching theme was I would speak to them, ask them to share their biggest mistake or failure. Sometimes it was a personal one, more often than not a business-related one. I'm just asking them to share the stories of rising up from that. And over and over and over again, it was often a mistake, a big one, sometimes a catastrophic one, which was like the seeds for their current venture. So they literally were building successes on the back of failure. So I learned a great deal from writing this book, as you can imagine, and I started some wonderful connections with some incredible minds, people who much further down the, the road than me certainly aspired to, to be like and inspired me along the way. 
and in with in some of those cases i got to you know get to know them a little bit better and they, they just became a natural organic thing towards me writing for them i was always doing marketing i would write for myself and eventually i got a few opportunities to write for other people it was something i resisted for a long time looking back i'm not too sure why a mistake if you will <laughs> and then i found a, a great deal of joy from it taking their stories and diving into their minds and stepping into their shoes and being able to bring their words to life be it for a book or an article or emails whatever else so that's kind of how i started writing for entrepreneurs it wasn't something i intentionally did at no point in time did i like write it down on a piece of paper and this is what i want to do it just became rather serendipitous on the back of success mistake you know it's interesting to me um matthew that I, I I love role models. Like I am always looking for people. When I step in and learn some, have to learn something new, I go and see who's done it before me, who had great success. But there's an element there of like, there's so many times I get, um, like I can't take the action that I need because I feel like oh, I'll never get there. And then when I read about epic fails and mistakes, I'm like, oh, I can't, I, I don't know. I, I love your opinion on this or your thoughts on this. How is it that that's such a great equalizer in the the human experience that we we not necessarily love to hear the mistakes, but it's like, oh, they screwed that up, and but I I and I screwed all this stuff up, but I can still achieve too. Like like, how, did you notice anything in that with with the the learning and where that comes from that people enjoy or or let me say it, not enjoy that they, we can make progress a little quicker from, from hearing the mistakes. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think we take comfort from it. And it stems from the fact that we're human beings. We lose sight of it. We place individuals on a pedestal, be they celebrities or thought leaders, authors. We look up to them, and I do it. I'm sure you do. I'm sure everyone listening and watching this does as well. They probably have someone in mind right now who they just place on a pedestal and think, wow, I wish I knew them. I wish I was like them. And we kind of turn them into like a mini demigod, as if they're immortal, as if they're immune from the human nature of being human. Like, And let's face it, as human beings, the one thing we all have in common, every single one of us around the world, is fragility. We're insecure we don't really get to see what's going on in another person's mind. Even those who are really close with, you know, your partner, your siblings, your, you know, the people you love, people you know, you're never able to step into their mind. The only person you ever get to truly know on an intimate level is yourself. Mm. And we are constantly tuned into our insecurities, our self-doubt, our fragilities. We know other people the same but because we don't see that and experience that we start to think mm, they're probably happier than us they're probably you know have it figured out more than us so then when you come across someone who is in your eyes a million levels above you dehumanize them and you forget that they too have insecurities they too have their bad days they too suffer with mental anguish so when we hear them making mistakes, when we hear them share stories about how they were once where we were, how they 
tripped and stumbled their way forward bit by bit by bit, I think it's a sense of comfort. It's a reminder of, ah, yes, they too are human. Ah, yes, they weren't an overnight success story. They became maybe an overnight success, but it was 10 years before that in the making. We just forget that. We just forget it. We lose sight of it because we get caught up in our own drama. We get caught up in life being life. So those little reminders of, ah, successful person grew from failure. It's somewhat comforting, I think. So you just hit upon a word that I think is a is a real theme of Beyond the Pale. And it, it is that idea of success. And again, the successful mistake. But when you talk about other people being happy and successful and all that, we often hear stories about how highly successful people end up not being very happy. So what about Beyond the Pale? You talk about this idea of what success actually means and maybe how much of ourselves we are giving to this idea of success that's not really going to make us feel successful. So talk about the the theme of the book and and I want to hear about the story that you're telling us to get us there. Sure. So once again, it stemmed from the success mistake. The biggest takeaway I took from doing all those interviews and then writing the book, success mistake was that when I spoke to those people who had it more, you know, quote unquote, figured out and they looked back with hindsight, it's that they started to define success on their own terms. You know, previous them subscribed to a version of success that society placed upon them, or maybe their parents, or maybe the particular type of media that they followed or whatever else. They've got it into their heads, like we all do to some extent, that success is X, whether that's a particular job, a particular amount of money, a particular size of business, whatever it may be. Once they deconstructed all of that and gone, hmm, maybe that isn't what success means to me. And if that isn't what success to me, what is? And they went in pursuit of that and they started actually honing in and defining success to them then they were able to cut a lot of the noise out. They were able to appreciate what a hell yeah looked like and what a no needed to look like. Mm. It doesn't just happen in an instant. It's a journey in its own right. But once you start to hone in on what success it means to you, you're able to better attain that version of success at some point. Whereas if you're only ever going to subscribe to another person's or societal's version of success, then even if you reach it, it's going to feel somewhat empty and unfulfilling because it wasn't what you wanted in the first place. Hmm. You just pursued it because you were led to believe that it would make you happy. So as you say, we come across these people who seem to have it all figured out. They build the success. They become that successful poster child. Yet, they still go through hardship, whether that turns to some kind of addiction, whether it's some kind of mental illness, whether it's, you know, just self-sabotaging in one way or another, they just still feel empty and unhappy on some level. It's because they were pursuing a version of success that they never actually wanted, which when you think about it, makes a lot of sense. And it's also really sad Mm. because we only get one life. And if we're going to spend 10, 20, a lifetime, pursuing something that 
we assume is going to make us happy one day, but we've never taken time in the front end to actually decode and go, hmm, is this what I want? What a waste. So that is what inspired Beyond the Pale to create a fable where the lead character, Ferdinand, is this poster child of success. He's young, he's, he's got that fame, he's got the money, he's building that massive business. And I had him as this glorified figure for a reason. I wanted people to read it and in their mind picture someone. Whoever that might be will be different, but when someone reads it, they go, oh yeah, this person reminds me of X. And that person in their mind, as we were talking about earlier, is probably this dehumanized, immortal, demigod type figure where, ah, if I ever even got half of what they got, then I'll be happy because they are the ultimate success. And how could they possibly have any kind of issues? But what we learn as we travel alongside Birdman is that even though he seemingly has it all, he kind of feels like he's got nothing. Worst of all, he thought he was on the right track until he was forced to one day ask the question, is this what I want? And when he came up to the conclusion of no, then it was just existential crisis. Because, well, if I don't want this, what the hell do I want? Mm. And that's the kind of point. That's the kind of point I think we all need to go to at some point in life. We all spend our lives subscribing to a version of success that probably means absolutely nothing to us, was passed upon us by someone or something. And the day where we go, hmm, that isn't what I want, is daunting and overwhelming because if that isn't what they want then you need to ask what is and, and that's, that's a starting change. over point that's that's kind it's, of a starting over i think it's why a lot of people have like midlife crises is the yeah. stereotypical thing yeah you know, they've usually been in a job or pursuing a career or doing something that they were led to believe they should be doing and then they reach a point in time whether it's in their 30s or their 40s or their 50s and they kind of self-sabotage in one way or another, whether it's on a conscious or subconscious level, and end up just breaking their life up, whether it's in a conscious way or not, because they kind of realize, huh, this isn't making me happy, and it probably never will because I never wanted it. So whether that was having a family that they never really wanted, whether it's pursuing a career they never really wanted, whether it was building you know, a kind of lifestyle that they never really wanted, you just kind of left going, I have all these things and I'm still feeling empty. I don't want it. So what do I want? And what do we end up doing? We distract ourselves and we end up trying to fill a void with something that we're led to believe to make us happy. So I suppose the stereotypical version is, you know, the guy who buys himself a, a red Ferrari right? <laughs> or, you know, you buy yourself a new wardrobe and, and this because you're like, oh, well, if I get the things which I, you know, I had a poster on as a child, maybe that'll make me more fulfilled. But it's just another form of pursuing something that doesn't necessarily mean anything to you. We know what I'm hearing in here, Matthew. You're saying about, is it really what you want or what you think that society wanted you to have and going after the wrong thing? I'm actually also hearing in there that the, the, where we should begin is where we actually begin in the brilliant, the resilient process. When something happens and the rug is pulled out from under you, you take a look at what your actual core values are. Like, what do you really find important and grow from there to, to be able to really come through, like to grow through your go through. And I'm hearing that also in what you're saying about 
wait a minute, everything I wanted was really about what other people wanted. What do I really want? And, and, and that first question, I guess, then is what is important to me? What do I value and go from there? But boy, you're, you're so spot on with this. People get to that success of, of what they think everybody else says. Good job. You know, uh, with no filter on Facebook, you look amazing because you just did all that. And honestly, I went through this in my divorce when I had to downsize um, just financial stuff and all. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm like going backwards to the, you know, I had the big house now I'm going to the small one. And I was like, you know what? But I had to look at what what was important to me for my family, right? They were number one and putting kids through college and all the things and being able to spend time with them and not have to work five jobs. So when I made the choice for those reasons to downsize, and then I said, I don't give a, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm able to be here with my kids. We're having the time of our life. And quite frankly, I can plug in my vacuum and clean almost my whole first floor in one, in one plug. I don't have to have it, you know, moving it all over the place. And then I found so much joy. There is so much joy in this tiny little house that we never had in the big house because that wasn't aligned with what my true values are and what I really wanted for me and my kids. And it's, it's funny when I tell people that it, people that know me that went from the ginormous house to this little one, they're like, really, you guys are happy over there? I'm like, yes, we are. And I have a ginormous mower that I get to do the whole backyard in now. But it was all about what my values were and aligning with those that I'm able to stay on course for my idea of success. Isn't it amazing how, as a society, we spend so little time focusing on personal values and personal principles? Like we just don't talk about, we often talk about goals and aspirations and, you know, achieving this, that and the other. But how often do we talk about a person's individual's values and principles? And I find that staggering because break it all down, you know, break her down, all the ego, all of, you know, like civilization and everything else. Like it comes down to like you as a human being, living life on your terms and everyone's different everyone's going to have different set of values and principles things that are important to them but if you don't have values and you don't have principles like what is it that you truly own they're the only things you ever properly get to own in life they are the guiding light at times it doesn't feel like they're necessarily going to guide you on the right path but it's your version of doing the right thing Hmm. And if you do nothing in life but doing your version of the right thing, you are likely going to live a very fulfilling, meaningful, and impactful life. Whether it, you know, impacts and becomes successful in society's terms is another matter. But to you, if you live by your values and your principles and you allow yourself to be guided by them, you're probably going to do okay. You're probably going to reach the end of your days and go, I did this one cycle and I did it proud. Hmm. that's all we can really do with life so is that where this whole idea of of really um evaluating how much hustle you put into things how much success you success in air quotes because obviously that'll mean different things is that really the starting point where you look at your personal values and like where does ferdinand finally come to the point where he goes where he rebuilds in in the story because i'm assuming that that's the te- that the path that it takes does he have to kind of and 
That's actually a good question. Do people then have to kind of rebuild and, and lose things in order to gain what true success is? The book gives no answers and, and Fernand's journey doesn't really provide any answers. It's the first book of a trilogy and at no point will he give, or at least I hope will give anyone the answer per se. The point is that it will hopefully inspire people to ask the right questions. And what Fernand goes through, and I think this is true for all of us, is an ever-going, an ever, going, an ever evolving cyclical journey of awakening, ascension, and evolution. So when we talk about Fernand earlier, getting to a point quite early on in the book of realizing, wow, I've been pursuing X, and I'm now not too sure whether I even want X, that represents his awakening. And when you have an awakening like that in your life, you have two choices, to either keep your eyes open or to roll over and go back to sleep. Yeah. If you choose to keep your eyes open and pursue it and go beyond the pale, which is where the name of the book comes from, that begins your ascension, climbing up that mountain and going at it in a way where you have no idea where it's going to lead you. You can't even see the top because you're on the ground level and the mountain's way up high, but you believe and you have a degree of faith that if you keep on climbing, but it'll lead you somewhere better. It'll lead you to the top. And if and when you reach that, you know, that summit, that represents evolution because you're now able to look down on the path that you've taken, realize the twists and turns you've had, the progress, the growth and everything else. And you see a completely new version of the world that you couldn't previously see while you were at ground level. But that isn't a one and done thing because just because you reach the summit of one mountain doesn't mean you've reached the top of the mountain. You may look up and realize there's another one that you couldn't previously see because the first one stood in its way. So again, you have a choice. Do I stay here? Do I go back down? Or do I ascend up that one? And rinse and repeat till the end of time. So it's not that figuring out if what success means to you is the answer because your version of success, your definition of success, and if you like, you can replace the word success with meaning, with principles, with values, with purpose. They will change. They're not set in stone. They're malleable. We go through different chaps in life. So you may find that what you deem success today after going through this process is different in five years' time. And that's okay. As different um, obstacles are thrust upon you, as different hardships are thrust upon you, because life is life. It's not going to give you an easy ride. You may feel like, wow, I've had my entire world tips upside down. I feel like I've got to start again. And you kind of mentioned it yourself by going through divorce, which I imagine made it feel like I have to start again. Like, what do I do now? Where do I turn? So life is always going to throw us those kind of hardships. And it's the same cycle again. It's like awakening, ascension, evolution over and over and over. And it just leads us to a, not necessarily a better life, but a more, I suppose, purposeful one. Because we're constantly just keeping our finger on the pulse of what it is what we want who it is that we are and constantly diving into like, what are my principles? What are my principles? What are my values? What am I, what makes me me? You know, if you take away everything else that I own, like what makes me me? And that's the journey that Fernand goes through in the first book. And it's the, 
ultimately the journey he'll go on in the second and third. And he keeps on realizing these new things and go, oh, yeah, I feel like I've got it figured out now until he reaches another point where he's like, ah, no, I don't. <laughs> but I'm in a better point than I was. And I just got to keep on going. I love and that I his name is Ferdinand. Do. I love that his name is Ferdinand. And I have, I have a question for you. When Ferdinand comes, you know, to these things where he, he steps into awakening, what my experience has been is when I'm doing that for my kids, I am, I am all in that awakening moment. You know, like when I, when my, my two boys are blind and when my youngest, when my oldest was three years old and he said to me, basically, mommy, I have the best life. I'm not, don't worry about this. Right. So I, that was easy for me to turn around and say, okay, now we're going to lead this wonderful life and we'll get you all the tools. But when it comes to myself, like when, when my, my husband of 19 years left, it was actually the second time, and, you know, I took him back once and he left the second time and then he wanted to come back again. It was the hardest thing for me. I want people to understand it is not always an easy thing to have this awakened moment. It was the hardest thing for me. You mentioned it earlier to either decide to open my eyes and walk forward or roll over and go back to sleep and just deal with it. That was that. Are, are, have you found that also that that is, it's like when you say walking through the fire, keep going. Oh my gosh. And on the other side of it, that's why I can't wait to read about Ferdinand and see if you've found the same things on the other side of it. Now I get to look back seven years later and say, it, it was the hardest thing I ever did, but thank God I did not do that. All right, let me just turn my head and, and I'll, I'll, I'll succeed elsewhere, but never in this department. Because now I've been able to succeed everywhere I've wanted to, being able to be tuned into me. Have you found that too? Absolutely. It's almost always harder to keep your eyes open. Just think about it when you wake up in the morning. I mean, maybe if you're a morning person, it's not like this, but I'm not a morning person. <laughs> so when I wake up, whether I'm waking up natural or by the alarm clock, whether I've had a good night's sleep or not, when my eyes first open, all I want to do is go back to sleep because it's just easier to do that because you're tired mm -hmm. and your eyes are just like, oh, no, I don't have the energy to keep opening. It'll be just so much easier if I just shut them and then drift off. You know you might have to get up because you've got work to do. You've got to get the kids ready and things. Whenever you have an awakening, it's almost always easier to just roll over and go, okay, yeah. I, I see what this person is saying or I see what this situation is showing me and it's right. I need to make changes. I need to not do that thing. I need to keep my eyes open. I need to face this. I need to take one step and then another. And then when I reach that fence, I need to step over and go beyond the pale. And then I need to send it up that mountain. I know I need to do that. I know that is what I should do. I know it's the brave thing to do. I know it's the person that I want to be but it would just be easier to put it off until tomorrow. It would just be easier to stay here because here, although may I may not be happy here, there's a degree of comfort. Yeah. There's a degree of familiarity. You feel safe within your little picket fence and you don't know what's on the other side of that pail and you do know what's inside of it. Even though you might not like what's inside of it even though what's inside of it may not make you happy you know what you're dealing with but beyond that pale is the unknown and that's terrifying and it's hard 
And yeah, you know that you will probably reach a point in time, whether it's in a month, a year, 10 years, whatever. And you look back and go, thank God I did that thing. Thank God I took that step. And then the next and the next, it was so worth it. Yeah. But that doesn't make it any easier in the moment. Yeah. That, that actually brings up a really, um, to, just to go back to one of your other points about this whole thing being a malleable, changing process that you, you also don't have to be stuck in those moments of, I wanted, I want this, but then as time goes by and things change, you may not even want that anymore. And that's okay. This whole idea of, of this being an evolution, I think at its core is the most important thing that we feel like, and we're taught, I guess, when we're younger that, you know, you have to have a goal and you have to reach your goals and you have to do, but our goals can change. Our, our, we don't always have to reach the goal. You know, we start towards a goal and we think, well, that's not what I want to do anymore. And the idea that it's giving people permission to recognize that you're an evolution, you're a work in progress. And you have mm -hmm. to be okay with that, even though it can be scary. And again, it comes back down to what society sort of teaches us. It's like, how dare you have the audacity to change your mind? <laughs> it's yeah. like you were, you went through school and you went through university to become a lawyer. And like, that's what you need to do for the rest of your life. And how dare you have the audacity to reach a point where maybe you want to pivot and change. We bring a lot of guilt into that. We assume that just because we, it's, um, I forget the, the term of it, but, you know, you um, you put so much effort and investment into something that um, you feel like by taking a step back and, like, giving and letting go of it, it, it makes it, that entire journey worthless. Um, I forget the, the Smith fallacy. I forget. Tip of my tongue, but I can't quite remember what it is. But... Um, we invest so much into a thing that we feel like we have to follow through. Think about when you read a book, you get a book and you feel invested into it and you get halfway through it and you're like, I'm not enjoying it, but I'm going to get to the end because I started it. If I didn't finish it, it would make the reading this first half, which has taken me 10 hours, worthless. I have to say that has, been, that has been one of the most satisfying things that I have ever done got into the middle of a book and went, I don't care what happens to these characters. And then I just get rid of it. Very so few there people a, do that though. Yes, but there's a great deal of freedom in being able to say, literally close the book on this. And that is just like a mini little analogy of what we're talking about here. Most people start a book and once they've started, they feel they need to finish whether they like it or not. <laughs> so they just keep on going page at a page because at least at the end, they'll feel a sense of fulfillment because they've finished it. It might not have taught them anything. It might not made them happy or entertained them in any way, but at least they started it and finished it. But sometimes you ain't going to like a book and that's okay. And you do have the permission and the freedom to go, I ain't going to finish this book. I'm going to move on to the next one. And it's kind of a rough analogy of life. Sometimes you are going to start something because you believe that is what you'll want. That means something to you, whether it's passed on to you or whether you've gone through this process. Like you may go through this process, process and define success in your terms and go, yeah, this is what I want. And you start ascending and then you get halfway up the mountain and go, actually, 
I think I was wrong. This other thing is what drives me. And maybe to get that other thing, I need to go halfway down the mountain I've just climbed to get onto the right path so I can reclimb. And that in itself is like another mini awakening where it's just easier to carry on the same route because at least you're not going to have to go back down to come back up. But it, it comes like what you said earlier regarding principles and values and being in tune with what matters to you. And if you live a life in tune with what matters to you, you are probably going to get to the end of it fulfilled, saying, I did it. I gave it my all. I did my best. And I'm proud. And I don't think a lot of people can do that because a lot of people over and over again kept just turning over and going back to sleep over and over again, choosing the easier option, the option that let fewer people down, even though it might have been at the sacrifice of their own self. And again, for me, we get one life. We need to do us all to just give it what we've got. And if we define success on our terms, and if we continuously go through that process and continuously ask, like, am I on the right path? I have no idea where it'll take you. Mm -hmm. I have no idea if you'll reach what you want, but you will probably end up in a better place than you otherwise would. There you go. Yeah. Well, this has been a really enlightening conversation. And I have to say, it just makes me feel much better about all of the things that I didn't do because, <laughs> because they just... They, you know, just a really, really quick story. When I was just out of school, um, I interviewed for a job with IBM. And when I walked into that building, I literally died a little bit looking at all of these little cubicles and thinking, oh, I'm going to have to sit in here. And they offered me the job and I didn't take it. And I've never for one second regretted that. And I don't know that it was a thoughtful or intentional process, which I think to your point, we need to make, but you really do have to pay attention to what works and doesn't work for you. So Matthew, thank you so much for joining us and, and reaffirming the fact that we can make that choice because it's so important. And where can we find beyond the pale? Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely chatting. I've enjoyed these rabbit holes, these conversations. So thank you. <laughs> And yes, if you have been intrigued by all of this and would like to dip your toe into Ferdinand's journey, then you can go to beyondbook.co. That's beyondbook.co. On there, there's you can you can basically read the first three chapters, I think it is, for free to see if it's a book that you may indeed want to finish. Because the last <laughs> thing I want you to do is to start a book and feel like you need to. And if you like the sample, there's all the links to be able to buy the book in the various places you can, as well as reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram at all. And I always encourage people, like, if this has inspired a question of some kind, like, don't hold back. Grab my details, send me a DM or an email and ask that question. I I am not that scary. Us Brits, we don't bite. Most <laughs> As Brits, we don't bite. Speaking of question... We got a couple of quick rapid fire oh, reset yes. questions for you to uh, help folks on a when they want to take that next right step and they need a little push to be reset quickly. What is a song on your playlist right now that just gets you in that reset mode? A song that always centers me and I always love it. 
we said this at the start, like choosing one is so difficult. I like music, so choosing one, wow. But I always tend to come back to The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, oh that's a favorites. good song. It's an and incredible song. It's it's beautiful lyrics, beautiful melodies. It's it's yeah, it's a it's a good. Yeah, it's oh, just that's awesome. Okay, so another question. Um, think of it. Can you think of a moment where you just laughed so hard that you almost cried at your own expense or at someone else's? We'll take either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of this. It's uh, it's been probably a while, but I remember. I can't remember the exact time, but it's going back a couple of years now which is probably quite sad if it's been a few years. But I have a five-year-old daughter, and when she was a bit younger, probably two, there's just something magical when little ones just get that belly laugh. Oh, my gosh. And they just – and it's just so contagious and so beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful when anyone does it, but when it's your own child in particular, there's just a very special moment about that. And I have several memories of that where it's just made me belly laugh in return and fills me up with joy. So, yeah. One of those lovely little memories that keep you going as a parent throughout mm. all the other moments where you just want to end it all. <laughs> so. We've both experienced that firsthand. Yeah. So we're right there. We are right there with you across the pond, but right with you, Matthew. We're yeah. all aligned. As parents, we're all in the same boat. We're all like everyone's together. like, yes, yes. And the last thing would be a rock star moment. Can you think of a rocks where you just felt like, yes, I did it, regardless of what that success would look like to anyone else but you? <laughs> a real special one for me is Beyond the Pale is my fifth book, but it's the first one where it was traditionally published, which meant it got into some bookstores. So just seeing Beyond the Pale in an actual brick and mortar bookstore felt like a bit of a rock star moment. One of those small little milestones, but a meaningful one. It's, it's huge. It's huge. That's a huge thing. Very, very exciting. So congratulations for that. And we want to encourage everybody to get more of, of Matthew's wisdom. Check out Beyond the Pale. And please think about what's important to you, your values, your principles, and make your life decisions based on that. I'm going to turn it over to my partner because she remembers everything I forget to say. <laughs> this has been such a uh, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much, Matthew, for your per your perspective and, and bringing stuff to light for me that I haven't thought about. And I'm now thinking about all those moments of my kids in that belly laugh at those little bodies. There is there. I don't know if there's anything that puts such a, a smile on my face like that does. For all of you that are looking to um, have a reset moment every week, we deliver the brilliance bit. It's a less than one minute read right to your inbox that will keep you living brilliantly resilient. Get it at brilliantlyresilient.net and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.